Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Ah, good morning, everybody, and welcome along. It's a very early start for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship teams and drivers on what is their Super Sunday with qualifying and the race part of a pretty busy day at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car course as we've also got, for the first time, a second Michelin IMSA Pilot Challenge race. Another 120 minutes uh, of racing for that championship as well. This is John Hindoff in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre on RS2 IMSA Radio. Jeremy Shaw will be joining me here in a few moments' time. And Shea Adam is our VP Racing Pit and Paddock reporter. Live on RS2 and on XM Sirius for the race and about to go live on IMSA TV around the world as well as we're getting ready for qualifying to set three pole positions for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, the Acura Sports Car Challenge, live. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Good morning, everybody. Sunrise earlier on today. Oh, sorry, these are live shots uh, coming uh, to us now. So a beautiful day in prospect at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course as we are getting ready for an unusual schedule today. Uh, nestled uh, by Lexic Lexington, Ohio, Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course has been challenging teams and drivers from all around the world since 1962 when it was first Ormond, although the layout that we have now was adopted in 1963 and it was Ken Miles who won the first sports car race here, 168 miles that was, we'll be doing a little more than that today and this is an old school course so yes we have turn numbers like turn four in front of China Beach but we also have the final corner named as the carousel and at the top of the hill the keyhole, the hairpin right-hander that leads down onto the back straight and the kink. It's been an early alarm call uh, for those involved this morning, uh, just after eight, or just before eight o'clock at local time. And Jeremy Shaw joins me in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. A cup of coffee, a wipe of the eyes, and then straight to work for these guys this morning. Yes, good morning, uh, everybody. It's uh, yeah, I mean, extraordinary early, really. I mean, yeah, the, the sun is barely over the over the horizon there. If, if looking to the east there along the pit lane at uh, Mid Ohio Sports Car Course, and goodness gracious me, this I mean, this um, this is uh, I I can't remember an earlier start to an IMSA WeatherTech sports car session other than when we're racing overnight, of course, uh, and certainly not for a qualifying period. So uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge, I think, for these guys. The track is going to be completely different, I think, to what it was uh, for the, the previous two sessions. There was one yesterday and one on Friday, so a very drawn-out schedule for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship this weekend. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Jeremy. Uh, there's been a, a fair amount of uh, these guys uh, contemplating life, the universe and everything. I, I think we have had sessions in early morning before, but not normally what I would call a competitive session. I think particularly to uh, Long Beach uh, when we're often out early on for a free practice session, quite a long free practice session. But for a competitive session, this being the qualifying uh, sessions to come. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and it's going to be a new challenge because the track temperature uh, has uh, yet to get up to where we've seen it during the week. Other than that, though, the format remains the same uh, as we uh, have the uh, GT Daytonas, the GT3 cars, followed by a smaller field of GT Le Mans cars. Uh, uh, just the four of them with the none of the Porsches here this weekend positive COVID tests after the Le Mans 24 uh, in the camp uh, meant that the drivers couldn't travel. It also affected the uh, Nürburgring 24, which is into its last 90 minutes now uh, as well and has uh, caused a little bit of shuffling of the Porsche GT teams in their various competitions uh, around the world this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, we'll finish off with the last 15 minutes for the DPIs, which is where the Paul Sitter, overall Paul Sitter, for the Acura Sports Car Challenge should uh, come from. Uh, in terms of the GT Daytonas, where's the form leading us, Jeremy Shaw? Well, the form is uh, very definitely leading us towards the, the AIM versus Sullivan Lexus team because uh, they have been, they've won both of the races since the return to Mid-Ohio a couple of years ago. Uh, they've been fastest, I think, in, in both sessions uh, so far. Indeed, in both sessions so far. Actually, no, I lie, because Bill... Uh, Bill Oblin was quickest uh, in the first session on Friday, just from the uh, from Jack Hawksworth number in the number 14 Lexus. But this is definitely a Lexus track. It, the, the flowing nature of the of the corners here at Mid Ohio tends to suit these cars, uh, which is a little bit surprising because they you know they, they look like you know, they're, they're pretty big cars compared to some of the other ones out here. But that Lexus really does work well around here, and I think they are going to be tough to beat. But the the McLaren, I think, also is going to be a contender in qualifying as well. Nice spread of manufacturers being hovering around the top positions as we've come to expect in the GT Daytona category. Compass Racing number 76 with the distinctive grey and red stripes, the Richard Mille sponsored car. And that inspired by the long tail Lark McLaren GTRs going back uh, a few years. I'm pretty certain that was an Andy Blackmore livery uh, as well, that lot, McLaren. I, I noticed that McLaren, uh, Jeremy, I think you mentioned it in an early programme, and I, I just, before we uh, came live here, Mr Green Flag is out, I went and had a look at the uh, the Senna special editions that we were talking about early in the weekend with the throwback liveries, only building, I think, five of them. Um, I'm sure we're already too late, Jeremy, to get ours um, even if we could have afforded about a hundredth of the deposit, never mind the cost. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Maybe, yes, maybe next I life. I tell you, yeah, the pictures yeah. do look gorgeous here this morning. Oh, it's absolutely lovely. Great to, to see the RVs parked on the way up to the uh, up the hill to the keyhole as well. And what better way to be walking up than to hear the sound of racing engines no need to set an alarm to know when things are happening. The, the engines of all of these cars, even the GT cars, there's a very strict warm-up protocol for these cars. So they will have been ticking over and going through their processes uh, for probably about 
half an hour, possibly even as much as 40 minutes before they rolled onto the pit lane. So nobody who is listening trackside, and good morning to you all, will have been left in any doubt that the uh, that the cars are heading out onto the circuit. And one of the first cars out is the Acura, the Sirius XM Auto Nation 86 car. That one uh, heading out uh, onto the circuits. And a very steady pace being taken here, um, which I, 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 is interesting. And what we should say, Jeremy, we will see different tactics being undertaken by the different manufacturers in the GTs, particularly GTLM. BMWs tend to come out late. Um, Corvettes tend to go out early, so we might have a quiet bit in the middle there with no Porsches to fill that. So across the line then, but still not starting a fast lap, still uh, weaving around for Matt McMurray and the MSR, Meerschank Racing with Curb Agajanian Acura. On home ground for all of the Acura teams this weekend and some exciting news for Michael Shank and his organisation. It's been a big year for him, Jeremy, hasn't it? Getting back into IndyCar, certainly something that he uh, has been quite vocal about wanting to do. He's got that programme together this year and next year will be one of two new teams who run the Acura DPI. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, they've been in IndyCar for the last two or three years, but this is their first full season programme. Uh, mm. Just to elaborate a little bit on that, but yeah, it's been, it has been you know, tremendous strides there for that team. Of course, yes, it's a home team for Acura because of the Marysville manufacturing R&D plant, which is just about 45 minutes away from uh, here at the racetrack. Uh, but also, uh, Mike Shanks' team is based in Pataskala, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus, so just a little bit little bit more than an hour away from here. So, uh, And and uh, not only did they announce this week, Mayor Shank Racing, that they're going to be running a, a back in the DPI or back in a prototype field again for next season, but also they've broken ground on a new shop or shop expansion in Potascular as well. So uh, it's been a very, very big week for uh, Marshank Racing. And you know, their cars have been fast this week so far in the practice sessions. Third quickest yesterday for, it was Matt McMurray who said that time yesterday in the uh, in the in the practice session. It's just weird to say there's one practice session yesterday. That's all they had yesterday and one the day before. It's kind of, still trying to get my head around that. Uh, but you know, the cars, are, the, the cars have been quick. So you know, they should be up toward the frontier uh, in qualifying. And I think most definitely during the race. Yeah, an odd weekend this weekend schedule-wise because IMSA have used the opportunity to do some make-up races, if you will, and fill uh, some of the gaps that the current situation and the fluid nature of everything have, uh, have caused for them. So uh, not two Porsche races this weekend, but three. And for the first time, not one Pilot Challenge race, but two. So still a pilot challenge race to come today and if it was no spoilers here because I know some people are probably still catching up on the weekend but yesterday's race if that was just the uh, aperitif uh, then the rest of the weekend for Michelin Pilot Challenge should be absolutely outstanding it was a great race it had pretty much everything and we expect just the same later today and we are setting the grid for the Sunday main with the Tech Sports Car Championship Acura Sports Car Challenge into the rising sun under the Acura Bridge through the S's. Speed's beginning to pick up. John Potter has put in a 130.326 in the GRT Magnus Lamborghini. Hard to know, Jeremy, where the, 
where the track is this morning. Um, it's been dry overnight, but uh, might just be in a little bit of, of uh, condensation, a bit of a dew point at this stage in the morning. Grass does look a little glistening. You don't want to be dropping off a Michelin in, into that. But if we were full on, what would we be looking for in terms of the qualifying times? Well, the, the fastest time of the weekend so far was set in yesterday's practice by uh, Aaron Tielitz in the Ainvast Sullivan Lexus, car number 14, at a 120.4. Looking back last year, actually, well, last year it was it was damp for uh, for qualifying, so uh, that not really representative time at 124.2. <clears throat> excuse me, the lap record in qualifying was set last year, uh, the year before, excuse me, by Jack Hawksworth also in a Lexus, they won 19.3. The fastest lap uh, record in the race was also set by Hawksworth that same year, won 20.5. So uh, I think uh, a low 20 or uh, perhaps a high 19. Uh, if uh, get temperature in the tyres, I spoke to a couple of drivers yesterday, and they were saying, you yeah, know, this, this track is a really fickle racetrack here at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. It's, you know, sometimes it's grippy and sometimes it isn't. Uh, normally it isn't uh, and yesterday uh, even though the conditions were pretty good it was it was pretty slippery so said so, several of the drivers i'm sure this morning it's going to be particularly so yeah it looked uh, particularly difficult offline didn't it in the mission of pilot challenge race so there's clearly quite high wear rates uh, on the tires the surface temperature changes very quickly indeed there's a lot of very light areas here uh, there has been some resurfacing in uh, some parts of the track, but for the most part, it's uh, lighter coloured topping, uh, tarmac or asphalt, call it what you will. And so it is uh, somewhat sensitive to having full sunlight on it, which we don't have at the morning, in this time of the morning, at long shadows and many parts of the track and still much of the track, including the carousel, which is where... Uh, where the uh, Robbie Foley BMW is at the moment uh, is still completely in shade, although the finish straight uh, is in sunshine. So turning into turn one, now heading up the hill, which is where the AVS Lexus number 12 is. That's been piloted by Franky Monte Calvo. Matt McMurray we've mentioned in the 86. So F Foley, Monte Calvo and Matt McMurray, 22, 22.8 uh, is the fastest time 22.6 now for McMurray as he goes to the top so Acura BMW Lexus Porsche Ralph Hardwick for uh, Ralph Hardwick I do that every time don't I um, uh, <laughs> Ryan Hardwick for uh, Wright Motorsports uh, yeah I'm you know there's motorsport on he'll either be taking pictures of it or he will be uh, watching it no doubt about that uh, Aaron Tielitz in the 14 car till Bechtelsheimer in the gradient racing number 22 Rob Ferriol in the hardpoint Audi number 30 Misha Goikberg in the Heinrich racing uh, Acura the 57 Gar Robinson in the Riley Motorsports 74 Mercedes the 44 is John Potter as we mentioned earlier that's the Lamborghini uh, and it was Corey Fergus, by the way, that took out that 720S GT3. And Rob Lomas has checked at the Lark livery on the F1 GTR McLaren was indeed an Andy Blackmore livery. I knew I'd read that or heard of somewhere. I think I did mention Ian James, who uh, is out uh, in the Aston Martin Vantage, the number 23 car. And did I mention Frank Monte Calvo? Yes, I think I did. So those are your drivers, 12 drivers out there. And we're just under six minutes to go. We're down to a low one minute 22 for Turner Motorsport. Jeremy Shaw. 
Yeah, and uh, Frankie Montecalvo briefly uh, was at the top there in the number 12 Lexus with a 112 point uh, 122.2 then as you said Robbie Foley nipped ahead of him at 122.1 and now Matt McMurray continuing to find speed in the number 86 Maya Shank Racing Acura goes fast as a 121.6 so you know time's coming down now much more gradual uh, decrease in lap times compared to normal because it is pretty cool out there I think the ambient temperature is about 67 degrees this morning and Sorry, I don't know what that is in uh, centigrade. Um, still can't work in those numbers. And, uh, air temperature uh, air temperature in centigrade at the moment is 17, uh, 17 C, and the track temperature is spot on uh, the same. So we had this yesterday yeah. where we had parity later on in the afternoon, funny enough. Just yeah. what I was saying about how much UV energy you're getting onto it and at the moment there's not the sun hasn't been above the, tr the trees uh, for that long, yeah. to be honest. No, it's pretty. It's it's a, you know, it's pretty tricky out there. It's very easy to make a mistake in these sort of conditions, and I think you know, just uh, yeah, the, the, there's no no one is really pushing to the limit yet. I mean, they're they're kind of at the limit of where the, the car is is capable at the moment, but uh, yeah, we're not seeing the ultimate lap times just yet. But you know, we're getting quicker and quicker and quicker. Certainly, Matt Murray comes out of the uh, carousel to cross the line again, and I think yeah, every every lap by every driver is an improvement. Uh, and uh, it is there again for Matt McMurray. Another couple of tenths of a second whittled away from his time. 121.448 for McMurray. Aaron Tielitz up into second place now. Just a couple, less than a couple of tenths behind him. Another tenth back to Monte Calvo in the second of the Lexus. This, this, this. And getting down to four minutes. In fact, just under now. 3.55 to run. And just underlining what we were saying about how people bring the tyres up, they've not gone out like scalded cats and burned up the tyres. They're trying to get the heat in and build their temperatures and pressures on those Michelin tyres. Matt McMurray then with two, I know, with just one of the best sector times in the middle sector. And Monte Calvo responds. And we're down into the 21 and a halfs now, so... We are getting closer to that uh, 80-second mark. And Monte Calvo with 121.442. My, that's close. 0 0.006 of a second. And Aaron Taylor goes through and blows them both out of the water. That's now two and a half tenths. 21.1 for the number 14 in Vassar Sullivan Lexus. Jeremy, you said there were the form cars around here this weekend. Absolutely right. One and two at the moment. And of course, as I say that, it changed again. McMurray finds another couple of tenths and gets within one tenth of provisional pole position yeah so that Maya Shank racing car right in there on uh, on Mike Shank's home track and uh, Bobby Foley in fourth base uh, Ryan Hardwick good improvement there to go into fifth just ahead of the McLaren look Frankie Montecalvo he's been uh, absolutely almost a revelation this season in qualifying he, he, he always has qualifying duties of course in the number 12 car he scored his first pole position at Sebring in July. Uh, since then, he was second on the grid at Road America, third on the grid at VIR, uh, and then on the pole again last time out at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. So you know, he's he's really got the hang of this car in qualifying trim. Uh, you know, it's been a really good season for this Ainvast Sullivan Lexus team. They've been on the pace pretty much everywhere. The car's been a lot more consistent during the races than in the past, uh, which has translated into some really, really good results. And you know, they've slipped away a little bit in terms of results over the, the last uh, couple of race weekends. So uh, they're no longer 
leading the uh, the, the, the points table, uh, but uh, but still very much in the mix. Just coming down to the last 90 seconds or thereabouts. Let's see who's got the right part of the track. They've spaced themselves out nicely. At least they haven't been tripping over themselves. So that has been very sensible, almost like having single car qualifying uh, out there. The 76 heading down through Thunder Valley now for Corey Fergus towards the end of what will be his ninth lap. Currently in fourth position, needs to find half a second or so to move up to the front row. It's a little bit less than that. Might get one more. He will get one more lap after this one. Remember, the check flag will come out on the finish line when the time elapses. But if you're on a lap, that will still be allowed to be completed and to count. One minute to go. Liquamoli, Turner, Motorsport, Robbie Foley now coming to the end of his lap. And he'll definitely get another one. Five on the side of that car. Bright green, even in this uh, early morning beautiful golden light yeah. green for GTD a five for the position in class does he improve he does and the five turns to a three and the 96 car moves to the inside of the second row it's a great system that isn't it the lights on the side of the cars it's so been, simple uh, yeah it, it's absolutely brilliant it, uh, it works, works really really well it's uh, it's been a real boon for the sport to have that system How long have we, it, it was brought in first initially by, in the American Le Mans series days was that maybe maybe ten years ago perhaps was it uh, it's it, now been adopted it, by a lot of other championships as well. It's a great innovation. Yes, it, it's it seemed, it's such a simple idea. and uh, Various different versions of it around the world. The chequered flag is out. Let's see who is going to improve. Rob Ferriol sees it first for Team Hardpoint. He doesn't wow. improve. Misha Goikberg up to second position on the last lap, Jeremy. Yeah, great lap there. Just 0.042 down on Aaron Teed. It's a really, really good run by Misha there to uh, put one over on on his teammate Matt McMurray by uh, by a massive 0.044 of a second. So super tight at the front of the field. Improvement also for Corey Fergus. He also gets down to a, a 121.3, but good enough only for fourth position. Fuck him on to Cal. All of a sudden, he's down in sixth. I know, unbelievable. Uh, that 0.044, Jeremy, is actually to the leader uh, on his teammate. He's 0.002 of a second. Right. We have three cars in half a second until Aaron Tielitz comes across the line. Or oh, has somebody lost a lap there? What's happened there? Tielitz has just improved. Yes, on the last lap, Tielitz has gone through a 120.9. So from having three cars within half a tenth, we've now got two tenths of a second. But Matt McMurray still has got a lap to finish. And he comes in, sees the chequered flag. Now it's 0.115 a second, but that's it from those guys. Ian James still to finish. Gar Robinson goes across the line now in the 74 car. Does not improve. Ian James does his best lap. In fact, Gar Robinson did do his best lap there, didn't improve his position. And Ian James will start on the outside of row three for Hart mm. of Racing, Aston Martin in the 23. Yeah, that's a very good lap by Ian James. That, that car on, on the first day was at the tail end of the charts, I think, and then moved up yesterday, and that's a really, really good effort. That car, the Aston Martin for this weekend, uh, has got a, a little bit of a weight break. Well, actually, a fair bit of a weight break. Uh, 30 kilos taken off that car. Uh, so that uh, uh, clearly is going to be a help, and, and, and Ian James has taken full advantage of that. Uh, they had their best result of the season last time out 
at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta into the top six for the first time. And now to be qualifying in sixth position, that's a great run by, by uh, the veteran Ian James. Hats off also to uh, Aaron Tiedis, his second pole position of the season. The other one came at his uh, home track at Road America, Wisconsin. He's a northern Wisconsinite, uh, so he'll be uh, delighted with this. He, the car spoke to him yesterday briefly, and uh, he, he was delighted with the car, and he felt that yeah, if uh, if he put it all together, he was certainly on for a pole position today, and that's exactly what he has achieved. It's Jeremy Shaw, I'm John Heindorf. We're in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre for qualifying for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship weekend at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on RS2 IMSA Radio, streaming video as well uh, for uh, everyone, uh, whether you're in the states or further afield. No blocks on this session. And, of course, for the race later on today, if you are in the US, Sirius XM will be carrying the race broadcast as well. And thank you, as ever, to Sirius XM for loaning us their airwaves. So in to the end of the pit lane for the Rice Lake Wing Systems, AVS Lexus. The number 14 car, Aaron Tealitz, about to jump out of... The car, he's having a decent season, Jeremy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's a really talented driver, isn't he? Super nice guy as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's just pointed out there to Rice Lake Weighing Systems. They've been, they've been, he, he's from from northern Wisconsin, Rice Lake Weighing Systems. That's Rice Lake in Wisconsin, which is up in the north there. He, that's where he's from. He's, his family uh, has run a, a, a resort up there for many, many years, four generations, I think, actually now. Uh, and uh, Aaron, uh, was was part of the uh, operations there. He, he, he's a, a bit of a, a, a dab hand at, at, at gutting fish, apparently, amongst other things. He's a useful racing driver as well. Uh, 28 years of age, uh, Rice Lake Rain Systems, I can say, coming on board this weekend as a primary sponsor of the uh, Lexus for the first time. But they've been with Aaron pretty much all the way through his career and certainly through the open wheel ranks in which he had quite a bit of success moving up towards the Indy cars. That was his original goal, but this opportunity came up last year uh, and he's ta taken uh, full advantage of this and this is his second pole position. How old is Aaron now, uh, Jeremy? He's 28, actually. He, he started a little yeah. bit later than some of the other, some other guys around there, uh, but uh, he, he, he was... Uh, he started off he did karting, obviously, as a kid, as so many do. Then in 2012, he won the Skip Barber Racing shootout to move him into the Skip Barber Racing Series, which is a school series, and uh, went on into F1600. He won a Team USA scholarship in 2014, and since then has been moving his way up the, the road to Indy Ladder, which uh, kind of came to an end after he was, unfortunately, he was punted off the road in a, in a, in a nasty crash at St. Petersburg a couple of years ago and that, that set him back a long, long way. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, the open wheel was kind of getting more and more difficult for him at that stage. Jimmy Vassar gave him, him this opportunity to join this team for the Rolex 24 last year, season and from there it's been uh, all, you know, all uphill, uh, if you like, or, you know, it's been a really good career step for Aaron Tielitz and, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's loving every minute of it. So that's the first of three pole positions that will be won here in this uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship session. John Heindorf and uh, Jeremy Short, Shea Adam, our VP, Racing Field Pit and Paddock reporter, working away to get some news from the paddock, and we'll uh, hopefully speak to her in a little while. Uh, a slightly reduced 
field of GT Le Mans cars. If you haven't been keeping up with the news, unfortunately, after last weekend's Le Mans 24 hours, uh, three of the Porsche GT team members in uh, the Porsche Works bubble uh, initially tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. Uh, that really put paid to uh, the team and the drivers travelling to the US to compete in this race. It also led to a great shuffling of drivers at the Nürburgring 24 this weekend, which has uh, got just over an hour to run uh, at the moment and uh, actually meant that Earl Bamba, who would have been here but was, I think, pretty much the only Porsche driver who wasn't at Le Mans in some capacity. Dick Tandy was there driving an LMP2. Patrick Pelier was originally there to be driver, coach, ambassador and uh, in the Porsche Cup uh, event that was there. They both got uh, drafted in to do some driving and uh, so they were at Le Mans but Earl Bamba wasn't which meant he got the tap on the shoulder in the early part of last week with just a couple of days' notice to get himself to the Nürburgring and uh, drive there instead. That leaves us uh, with the battle between the front-engine BMW V8 and now the mid-engined C8R Chevrolet Corvette from Corvette Racing. The 25 being the red BMW for uh, Rahal Letterman Lanigan. The 24 being the black car and then we've got the three and the four the traditional corvette numbers uh, it's been pretty tight in gt le mans jeremy perhaps just a little edge to the new c8r and, and if we're talking about form well my goodness me uh with the exception of the last race out they have been the form team since the 4th of july haven't they yeah, but it has been super, super tight. I mean, you know, all, all three manufacturers have, have, uh, have had some uh, share of success. Uh, in, in, for, in Porsche's terms, it's been only pole position. They haven't had a win yet this year, uh, but uh, they've certainly been uh, on the pole more often than not. Uh, for, and BMW, of course, had you know, one last time out at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, that number 25 car with Bruno Spengler. Uh, getting his first IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship win, along with uh, Conor Filippi. So, look, it, it, it's, it's, it's anyone's guess right now. I think they, they've got the balance on these cars, uh, the IMSA technical people, really close together. And uh, I wouldn't uh, lay any money down on who I thought was going to likely to end up either quickest in this session this morning or in the, the end of the race later on this afternoon. It's, I think it's really tight between Corvette and BMW. Big shame that Porsche isn't here, of course, but I still think there's going to be a good battle to watch here this afternoon. The uh, smart word on the street uh, is uh, from sources very close to Porsche. They will be back for the GT-only event at Charlotte Motor Speedway on the Roval. Uh, and obviously then we have two long races to wait, we have a WeatherTech race with Laguna Seca as well, and then we have the two long races uh, for the end of the season at uh, Motul Petit Le Mans and the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring. Both races that I know because he has said it uh, on record that Pascal Zolinden, who is very much one of the leading lights in that Porsche GT uh, project. Um, absolutely wants to have the cars at we'll wait for some confirmation 
on that as various logistics of course has to be worked out and as with everything at the moment um, there's pretty much an asterisk next to everything subject to dot 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 so waiting for the green flag to go out. actually do you know what Jeremy it's absolutely extraordinary isn't it that in this year of years that we've had as as much racing and such quality racing that we've had uh, around the world and particularly here in IMSA it's been a, a fabulous job by everybody to get the races off that we already had well yeah I agree with you I mean you know, we got off to a, a flying start of course uh, at the beginning of the year at the Rolex 24 at Daytona and everything came to a grinding halt and it's, it, was a, it was a long barren wait uh, for several months but yeah since we got going again it's been non-stop action and you know, it's remarkable isn't it here we are at the end of September and we're just uh, exactly halfway through the season uh, five or ten races completed for the uh, prototype cars and uh, the GT cars have actually done six races because of the uh, the race at VIR uh, but uh, you know it's been it's, the racing has been absolutely fantastic and uh, and I think it's going to con continue to be so as well uh, we, we talked about uh, in the GTD ranks how it was a home race for Ma Shank Racing based based in one of the suburbs of, of Columbus on the east side of town uh, Rahul Latterman BMW team RLL, Rahul Letterman Lanigan, uh, they have roots on the west side of Columbus in Hilliard, Ohio. I think the cars are now based in Indianapolis, um, I believe, at the, uh, the shop they, they share with the, with the Indy cars. But certainly the, the, the roots of that team are in Hilliard, Ohio, which again is maybe an hour and 20 minutes here from the racetrack. And you know, Bobby himself, uh, for many years, is based in, uh, in New, Albany, New Albany, Ohio. So uh, very much some, some some roots here in Ohio for that BMW team. So the cars going out, first of all, as I suggested, would be the Corvettes. And Jordan Taylor is out. Ollie Gavin is just about to pop out behind his teammate, although he's uh, just leaving the pits now. Jordan in the yellow car will be firing in a faster lap again sorry jeremy go ahead no i'm just going to say i don't think traffic is going to be a problem in this session that's for sure look have the bmws have left the pit lane no way what's so. happened to them what's happened to them i can't believe it the door they're really birds until the last they are well there's a worm yeah. to catch here and that is yeah. the uh, that is the pole position and even with four cars on the grid there's points up for grabs of course in the championship whole new scoring system being brought in next year with additional points uh, in various places throughout the grids and uh, still started on that one. ah well I've, I've told John Duden that he's got to buy you a calculator or a slide yeah. rule or an abacus well you know is it an answer to a question nobody's asked I don't know John gave us yeah, some time on yeah, Midweek well, Motorsport a couple of weeks ago it. to explain yeah and uh, he, he gave a fulsome explanation if you haven't heard that you can go back on the Midweek Motorsport at RadioLamont.com or Radio-Show.co.uk and see how that one uh, and listen rather to uh, to that one of a number of changes for next season which we'll get this year out of the way first I think before we start worrying about 2021. So all four of the GT Le Mans cars out. It's Jordan Taylor in the three. 
Ollie Gavin in the other Corvette is in the number four. Jesse Kron in the 24 BMW. That's the black car. And the 25 is Bruno Spengler uh, in the red BMW. They've spaced themselves out nicely on the circuit, as Jeremy mentioned. And we have seen that the GT Le Mans cars tend to stay out for pretty much the whole session and bring those Michelins in very gently indeed. Now, what the cool attempts this morning will mean, track temperature, remember what I was saying earlier on, once we start getting a little bit of UV energy into it, then there's an opportunity for the track to come up a bit. It was 17 Celsius and 17. It's now 17 in the air, 19 on the track. At the early morning at, what, half past eight here at Mid-Ohio. And good morning to all of you who we have woken up with the glorious sounds of race engines and although the Corvette doesn't sound exactly as it did uh, it's lovely to have four V8s out there all twin turbocharged nowadays so it takes slight visceral edge off them but it's race engines and it's a great way to wake up third of the session gone uh, and the only representative time by Jordan Taylor and that's really only halfway up the GT day ranks Jeremy Shaw what sort of times should we be expecting to see yeah, the, the fastest time set yesterday by Jordan Taylor was at 118.668. The race lap record is at 119.0. And the pole lap record was set two years ago by John Edwards in the BMW at 117.853. Uh, we have, yeah, so I don't know what pole's position like to be. I think. It's, most likely, I think, in the 18s. I doubt that that record is going to is going to fall. Although conditions now are pretty good, we've got a little bit of rubber laid down this morning. Ready by the GT cars. It's, the air is nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully there's enough track temperature there to really bring these Michelins onto full song, if you like. And uh, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting session. Uh, let's uh, check in with our VP Racing Fuels pit and paddock reporter Shea Adam, who's uh, been working away behind the scenes a lot of the PRs and uh, major representatives of the teams of course not on site uh, at the moment uh, Shea what can you tell us about what we've seen already in GTD what we're about to see in GTLM and a bit of speculation about the DPIs as well well, in terms of the qualifying drivers, it has been status quo. Everybody going out in GTD as we expected because the silver drivers have to do the qualifying duty. But interesting decisions by BMW to also mimic what Corvette has been doing, sending out the regular duo of Jesse Krohn and Bruno Spengler as they have been doing qualifying duties fairly recently, or fairly frequently, I should say, for the sprint races. So it's going to be an interesting battle, and particularly in DPI. I don't think we're going to be seeing many code balls there yeah and this is something that we've seen from Porsche although Porsche aren't here this weekend the Bamthor Earl Bamba and uh, that team and uh, with uh, those guys have split the responsibilities is what I'm trying to say uh, Earl normally does the uh, longer parts of the short races if that makes any sense uh, and then he leaves the Thor to get out the mighty hammer and go and crack things open in qualifying, which is, is worked for them. Uh, and that's brought them a championship, of course, in the past, and they've, they've done that 
for quite some time. Uh, what do we know about DPI, Shea, what, as we look a little bit further ahead? Halfway through this session and the time's beginning to come down. We'll get back to those in a moment, but give us a steer for what uh, you've heard, if anything, from DPI. Um, hearing that it might be Ryan Briscoe qualifying in the Conic Minolta Cadillac and equally pleased slash displeased with the BOP as Mazda and the Acura teams were. So we've had all three manufacturers up in the top three of the practice sessions. It is a big dartboard sort of situation to try and figure out who will take the pole position. But to be honest, the Cadillac teams are silently happier than everyone else. So it might just be one of them. Six and a half minutes to go. Thank you, Shea, for that VP Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock report. Uh, Jordan Taylor, Jeremy, is at the moment at least the man to beat out there. Yeah, he is uh, a, a really good lap there. 118.259 for Jordan Taylor. Uh, and uh, that is uh, comfortably quickest now by uh, a bit over three quarters of a second from Jesse Crone in the number 24 BMW. Uh, Oliver Gavin, well, milliseconds behind uh, him in third position but uh, that is the fastest lap of the weekend so far in GTLM 118.6 the time yesterday 118.2 already for Jordan Taylor and still five minutes almost six minutes remaining in this session so I think we're probably going to get those times are going to continue to fall so perhaps John Edwards lap record from a couple of years ago is under threat here 117.8 well, less than half a second away from that at the moment, as Jeremy Shaw tells us here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Big red number one on the door of the bright yellow Corvette. Both these teams helping out us as your play-by-play -play commentators with two cars from the same team, but both sporting slightly different liveries. The uh, yellow and grey and the grey and yellow, if that makes any sense, for the Corvettes and of course the black and the red of the BMWs making it uh, a little bit easy just if you see something happening uh, out on the circuit to pick out which cars are which so Corvette BMW Corvette BMW improvements for everybody last time around down to the 18.2 for Jordan Taylor which gives him nearly three quarters of a second Jeremy that is a lot of time around what is actually a pretty short lap here, just sort of 78 seconds for these guys. Yeah, it is a good lap time. And, uh, you know, Jordan's right, just driving really, really well uh, again this season. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's fast in, in qualifying. He's, he's good in the races, makes good decisions. Uh, and he is at the top of his game right now. Uh, and, you know, fully justifying his uh, his his um, elevation to the factory team for Covetti. Been a, a kind of a part-time driver for the last two or three years on and off, but you know, this year full-time with the factory and he's just been uh, just getting better and better. He's 20, it's hard to believe he's 29 years of age now. You, you check out his Twitter feed, you think he was about 16. Um, and even when you talk to him, he was about the same, just the, the same boyish enthusiasm and sort of practical jokes uh, that have always been there for Jordan. He's just a tremendous character and driving quite beautifully. And interesting, isn't it? You know, we're still seeing times coming down every lap by every car is faster just as it was in the GT session all the way through just fractionally quicker last time around for Jordan as he comes across the line now actually that's the first time he hasn't improved slightly slower but almost three seconds slower. so perhaps giving his tyres a little bit of a breather and we'll see if he can wring any more time out of it uh, over the next uh, three and a half laps and probably another uh, possibly certainly two laps possibly three laps to go in this session 
three minutes and 20 seconds to go on the clock. Jesse Cron improved last time around now. Uh, six tenths, just a little over six tenths, and barely ahead of Corvette Racing's Ollie Gavin, who's 0.094 away from making it a Corvette front row. There goes the BMW across the finish line. Jesse Cron improves again, and now it's under half a second between him and Jordan Taylor. So this is getting interesting now, Jeremy, but you know, we, we said this, we flagged this up before. Interesting to see just how uh, good these Michelin tyres are, burning off a bit of the VP racing fuel. The cars get a bit lighter. The cars go quicker towards the end of the 15-minute session, just as a proper qualifying session should be. Absolutely right there. And then Bruno Sprengler jumps up into third position now, so he splits the, the two Corvettes. Uh, 118-1 for Jordan Taylor. I think he backed oh. off on that last lap we talked about. I think perhaps he was getting a little bit too close, he perhaps felt, to Bruno Spengler. So he's now, uh, he dropped back a bit, and now he's gone faster. 118-1 then for Taylor. Uh, Oliver Gavin now moves up into second position at a 118.5. So it's now Corvette, Corvette, BMW, BMW. But the uh, second, third, and fourth place cars are covered by you know, barely a tenth and a half. Uh, Jeremy saying they're getting a bit too close to Spengler. You might think, hang on, these are GT cars. They drive with their noses right underneath the rear wing. That is true, but Optimum, uh, these cars are quite aerodynamically uh, dependent. They, the, the contribution of the aero for the, the grip of these cars, and particularly for uh, turning and corner speed through the centre of the corner it is really important and disturbed air is not what you want I know we normally talk about that in, in formula cars but uh, these cars are pretty uh, sophisticated as far as the uh, aerodynamics at both the front and the rear uh, are concerned the rules changes a few years ago to allow the honking great diffusers under the back of the car meant that the front end uh, was uh, adjusted quite a lot of them and it's very subtle changes made on the front of some of these cars uh, into the last minute uh, and uh, the 17s are we are into the 17s 117985 so very very close to a qualifying record there last time around for Jordan Taylor Jeremy Indeed, within a tenth and a half now for Jordan, if he can squeeze a little bit more, he's still going to have, uh, you know, this is probably going to be his last lap. Uh, so I think this will be his, his final opportunity to, to break that lap record. Uh, but everybody else is still improving as well. We're now down to just six tenths covering all four cars. Uh, and Oliver Gavin and Bruno, and well, I was going to say, and Jesse Crone, but now also add Bruno Sprengler into the mix there. Just incredibly closely match those three cars. There's Crone no improvement there from Jesse Crone, but he doesn't he doesn't improve his position, does he? No, but to within 0.017 of his <laughs> teammates. So again, the two cars from each of the two teams with Corvette Racing and BMW team RLL, RLL being Rahal Letterman Lanigan. And yes, that is uh, Bobby Rahal, of course, uh, who puts together a very, very good operation. And much like Corvette Racing, there's no number one and number two car here. And I don't mean the numbers on the side. These cars are prepared identically and to the same sort of performance potential. So many times through the years we've talked particularly about Corvette Racing, about a couple or three tenths is actually quite a lot between the cars in qualifying trim. Checkered flag is out. Jordan Taylor is through. And he does not improve last time around. But in fairness, that last lap would still have been quick enough at an 18-1, 1 minute 18-103 to be precise, to have taken pole position. Um, but he already had a 17-9, so he was OK. Yeah. That one was in the bank. 
Uh, and four tenths between himself and uh, and Ollie Gavin. Yeah, and the rest of, well, and and all three other cars, because the other three are separated by you know, barely a tenth of a second as uh, Jesse Crone comes to the line now. Kenny, he's the last one to take the checkered flag and actually jumps up into second position. So wow. he moves to within four tenths of a second of Jordan Taylor. I think Jordan probably had uh, at least three laps, possibly four, that would have been good enough for the pole position. But then the other three cars separated by absolutely nothing in second, third and fourth. So it's now... Uh, Corvette BMW, Corvette BMW, and that's going to be a lot of fun this afternoon. And last, uh, the, the winner last time out, Bruno, Speng, Bruno Spengler, having been second place just a, a minute or so ago, finds himself in fourth position. Yeah, and so far then, Jeremy, if we're talking about form, Aaron Teal, it's in Vasa Sullivan on pole in GT Daytona, Jordan Taylor in GT LM for Corvette Racing. So working on that then, um, before we uh, have a chat with Shea, get ready for the DPI qualifying. Who is the DPI form team and or driver then? Because you've called it perfectly well so far. Well, accurate. No, Again, note about it. It's, it's curious, isn't it, that we, we've, we've come back to Mid-Ohio uh, for the first time in, in, in quite a long time, two years ago. Uh, in each of the two years here, Lexus has won in, in um, GTD. Porsche has won in GTLM, of course they're not here this weekend, and Acura has won in DPI, and again here this uh, this weekend, or this week, uh, the, the Acuras have been quickest in in both of the sessions. Juan Pablo Montoya was fastest on Friday, uh, Elio Castroneves was quickest yesterday, but not by very much. You had maybe a couple of tenths of a second yesterday on Rengo van der Zander in the, uh, the Konica Minolta Cadillac. The second of the Acuras was close behind him. Pipo Durrani is right there, and the Mazda's not far behind either. And often, it seems to me, we don't see... The, the Mazdas really show their ultimate pace until we come down to qualifying. Well, that's coming up very shortly now. Yeah, I love this track for prototypes. I remember when we had the LMP1s here, uh, it was just awesome to, in those days, we could get out and watch the cars sometimes in the early sessions that we weren't uh, commentating on and to see the cars around here, absolutely out. Standing Right, pole position then for Corvette Racing. Jordan Taylor ahead of Jesse Cron. So the two teams in GT Le Mans share both the front and the second row for GTLM. All earlier on, Aratelitz for Im Vasa Sullivan captured pole position in GT Daytona ahead of Matt McMurray for Acura and for My Shank Racing with Curb Anna uh, Agajanian. Uh, just ahead of Misha Goik-Perkel starting the inside of row two and Corey Fergus for McLaren on the outside of row two for Compass Racing. Standby for action it's the dpis next but before they come out onto the circuit let's have a vp racing fuels pit and paddock update with Shea adam it's a fourth career poll for jordan taylor who walks away very very pleased and has a quick chat with his dad and his former teammate ranger van de Zanda, which means that for qualifying for the dpi it will be ryan briscoe and if we're going by the form that we've seen so far this morning, second place in the championship is on pole in GTD. We've got the points leader on pole in GTLM. So that means that that Konica Minolta Cadillac, that number 10, stands a really good chance of being on pole considering it is the points leader. But as far as the other qualifiers go, uh, it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag because I'm seeing some different helmets through the windshields on the shiny morning light that looked a bit like Oliver Jarvis's helmet for the number 77 Mazda. So perhaps he is trying to go get pole position number two here at Mid-Ohio in his second year in a row. 
Ryan Briscoe calmly behind the wheel of the Cadillac, though, waiting for his opportunity to go out and play. It should be uh, for day in the number five Mustang sampling Cadillac, and that's the car that's second in the championship as Jonathan Bomarito gets drafted into the number 55 Mazda. So that means that he will be giving Lamont winner two times over now, Harry Tinknell, a bit of a lion this morning. Very kind of him for his teammate. In the 77 Mazda, that is Ollie Jarvis's pink, yellow, and white helmet. So Ollie going for two consecutive poles at Mid-Ohio. The other car that I'm really interested to see who is qualifying is the number 31 because, well, I mean, it's Elio Castroneves in the seven. He is always fast around Mid-Ohio. He always stands a good chance of getting pole. So we just are missing the Mustang Sampling Cadillac number five, the Acura Team Penske number six, and then, of course, that Wayland Engineering Cadillac because both Pipo Durrani and Felipe Nasser have been super quick around this track so far this weekend. Which one of them gets the qualifying honors? That would be Pipo. So stand back from the fences, campers. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to give this a little bit of extra space. Pipo is ready to go get a pole. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting session, isn't it? It's, it's been pretty close to each of the sessions so far. We've seen uh, at several occasions all three of the different manufacturers are represented among the top three. It wasn't the case right at the end of the day yesterday. We had two Acuras in the top three, uh, and the Mazda's down in, in fifth and sixth, but I don't think that's representative of what we're going to see here this morning. And you know, the uh, the drivers have certainly been saying, or the ones that I've had contact with, Shay, telling me that the, the, trap, the track doesn't have quite as much grip as, as they kind of expected coming into the weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see, particularly in the cooler air this morning, who can who can really get everything working to the, to the optimum and, and will come away with the pole position. Yeah, and the other thing that they've been saying, Jeremy, is that it's really dirty as soon as you get offline. So if you make a slight mistake, if you have a slight wiggle and you need to recover from it, it's going to be difficult to try and get the debris off your tires. That shouldn't be too much of an issue for this morning's qualifying session because the track would have been swept before people went out for the first qualifying session. But it is an issue for in the race. Now, this is interesting because Sebastian Bourdais is going to qualify the number five Mustang sampling Cadillac. Last year, he took the GTLM pole, filling in for Joey Hand in the number 66 Ford GT. So can we see Sebastian Bourdais, a Frenchman, get two pole positions at the same track in two different classes in a row? We have seen it happen before. Tristan Vaudier did it a few years ago at Sebring, getting pole position in the GTD category and then coming back the next year and getting the overall pole. Well, Sepp has an opportunity to do that, too. That could be a fun one for him. Yeah, it, it, it could. Uh, I think, yeah, I think this is a, a, an intriguing session ahead of us here. Um, I, I think certainly the Acuras have to be favorite. Uh, we saw Dane Cameron getting himself uh, psyched up, ready to go in that uh, number uh, six car that he shares with Juan Pablo Montoya. And, you know, each of the Acuras have won here over the last two years. It was Ricky Taylor and Alu Castroneves that took the checkered flag a couple of years ago and then finally last year Dan Cameron and Juan Pablo Montoya at uh, midway through their second year with this program scored their first win together uh, at this racetrack last year so you know they, both teams both those uh, Acura cars within that team have had success here and uh, they both want to uh, to uh, come away victorious at the end of today as well. Yeah, it's true. And the, considering the recent form of both of those cars, the six has been having a bit of a nightmare year, to, to put it bluntly. They haven't had the podium finishes that they got used to last year with 
so many good runs into their championship. And as you rightly say, Jeremy, it began at this track. This is where they kicked it all off. So could this be a spot where all of a sudden they switch the momentum for 2020 and get things rolling again? Whereas the sister car coming off of two consecutive wins, and it is a fairly odd thing when the full season contenders for the championship last in points both represent Team Penske. That is a very rare occurrence. So both of those teams trying to get as many points as they possibly can. And lately it has been advantage for car number seven, Ricky Taylor and Elio Castroneves. And Elio also has the advantage, Jeremy, of having plunked the car on pole here a couple years ago. Yes, but uh, but uh, but uh, but, uh, but uh, the um, what was I going to say there? Um, the, the, talk, yeah, talk about points. The Acura is being fifth and sixth in the points table, uh, but uh, but the, the, those last two wins has taken Elio Castroneves and Ricky Taylor to within ten points of the championship lead, so very much in contention. Uh, and uh, and of course, you know, the number six car had a had a fastest race lap at Road America a couple of races ago as well. So the cars have always been you know, there or thereabouts. They just had not really as much gone their way, and certainly last year. It was the victory here for Dave Cameron and Juan Pablo Montoya that turned their season around and really you know, proved to be the launching pad towards the championship. So you know they they uh, you count them out at your peril any time and certainly so this year. <laughs> Very good point. The cars are rolling. Green flag is out and 20 seconds have elapsed already. The first car off the pit lane, as is its right, as the championship leader was the 10 Conic Minolta Cadillac of Ryan Briscoe. But he didn't stay out front for very long because the wheel and engineering car of Pippa Durrani, who does not like to necessarily look in his mirrors, is now looking clear ahead. Love that. There was actually, I know you were talking about uh, Jordan Taylor's uh, Twitter feed earlier, Jeremy. Between Jordan Taylor and Pippa Durrani, where Jordan was accelerating out of the people and Pippa wasn't, and there was very nearly contact between the two of them. Jordan had a very good sense of humor about that and did a little bit on social media. It's actually worth watching over your morning coffee if you do want a bit of a laugh. But out front, and now with nobody visible behind him, is Pipo, so he's going to have clear breathing space at least for a couple of Just to give you a quick run through the drivers that we know, as we have said before, Sebastian Bourdais, the number five, still in the pit lane. Everyone else is out on the track. That includes Dane Cameron in the number six, Elio Castroneves in the number seven, both representing accurate Team Penske. Ryan Briscoe is out for Cadillac as Tiki Drive starting his post-flying lap now, so you're not missing anything. Jonathan Bomarito and Oliver Jarvis are the two men elected to go out and represent Mazda for this qualifying session. And the last car out on track is one we haven't yet talked about this morning. Gabby Aubrey behind the wheel of the number 85 JDC Cadillac. The one that now bears white and gray on its livery with MEP written on the side and Gabby, who was so excited behind the wheel of the car to get himself pumped up. So as we saw in the first couple of sessions, it's still pretty you know, relatively cool out there this morning, but uh, the sun at least now is uh, shining on most of the racetrack, having been in shadow for the early sessions, particularly in GT Daytona, with its very early start to the day at, uh, at Mid-Ohio. Uh, but it's still going to take uh, at least two or three laps to get these tire, the Michelin tires up to temperature. 
uh, and it's a little while yet to receive any residential back tax. Kipo will be the first car that we get for a representative lap time. He has gone purple in sectors one and two, as he should do, being the first car to come through. But it's interesting that no one has bettered his time yet, so perhaps other cars need a little bit more gentle on their missions. Kipo's first lap is good enough to be ahead of the GTB field, but still behind everyone else in GTLM. So George Taylor remains for now the fastest car on track, but Pipo will take that away from him this lap. Everyone else for the PI category, except for Oliver Jarvis, actually still behind GTD cars. So uh, a very good lap from both of yeah, as I said, it's pretty cool out there. So it's going to be several laps before we get uh, you know, representative times from these guys. The fastest lap of the weekend so far was set yesterday afternoon by Elio Castroneves so at 111.395. Compare that to the lap record times, a race lap record set last year by Oliver Jarvis in the Mazda at 112.4. So a full second quicker than that yesterday was Elio Castroneves. The qualifying lap record, however, also set last year by Oliver Jarvis a 110.705. So the best lap that we've seen so far this weekend is uh, about six, uh, almost seven tenths quicker than that. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that that, that, that record time under threat here uh, in the latter stages of this 15-minute qualifying session, Shay. Yeah, I would agree with that, Jeremy, because last year qualifying, I was wearing a jacket as well. Um, it was a different time of year. That is important to remember. It was May. But it wasn't exactly a warm morning when we had qualifying at Mid-Ohio. The last time we saw the Pittsburgh Tour Championship was here. It's only 64 degrees in the air this morning as well. So it very much is light sweater slash jacket weather. And uh, the drivers will be loving the conditions. And particularly the cars that have that little turbo behind the engine I look at through Mazda will be very happy with these cooler conditions. All right, Pipo is the first car to go below 10 seconds for the first sector. So now we are starting to see some heat coming into the tires and the cars. But no, jumping up to P1 on his third lap, Dane Cameron for Acura. What does Pipo Durrani respond with? Well, he's currently in sector three as Dane Cameron goes faster than Pipo did through sector one. So we do have a battle on our hands starting to unfold, even though we still have roughly four seconds to find out on track. Pippo goes back to the top, and this time he is down to a 112.977. Now we're starting to play in the big leagues. Still have yet to see a good lap time from Cassie Bourdain, though. That's interesting, Ed. He has now completed two laps. Okay, so that's less worrying, but he is still shown as below all of the GTD cars, whereas the other DPI cars, Jeremy, they got ahead of the GTD cars from the end of their second lap. So Bourdais is being a bit more cautious. Yeah, he, he went out a couple of laps after everybody else. He was waiting for, for some of the other guys to build a bit of heat into the, into the track. I'm sure he's been around this track uh, many, many times in all sorts of different cars. And uh, he'll be, uh, I think he'll be excited about this qualifying session. The car's been uh, certainly consistent in the, in the races, hasn't necessarily qualified very well. And uh, not, this is uh, you know, Sebastian, but it's normally uh, Joao Barbosa who takes the uh, the qualifying duties in this uh, in this number five car, and uh, for uh, for uh, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, this is the uh, only the. Well, I guess you qualify. You know, he did qualify the car at Road Atlanta, 
that for the six-hour race last time out. He also qualified at Sebring earlier this uh, this summer in, in, in July. So in, in each of those occasions, Paul Day was only fifth on the grid. So qualifying certainly hasn't been that car's strong suit yet this year. But the race uh, in the races, the car tends to be a lot more competitive. And that's uh, more often than not, that car has ended up on the podium. It was actually uh, last time out, it was the last two races been fourth. Prior to that, it was third in the first two races of the season. So that consistency has meant that Joao Barbosa and Sebastian Bourdais in that number five Mustang sampling car still lie second in the points table on 146, just four points behind the leaders, the winners of the first race of the season, Ryan Briscoe and Renga van der Zander. And four points is easy to make up. It's only two different positions, uh, two positions difference in terms of finishing order. So that is very much attainable for the Mustang Sampling Cadillac. To the top of the charts goes Dane Cameron with a 1.11.7. Okay, now we're starting to get serious with our times. Pippa Durrani is still second with a 1.12.3. So we've got Acura Cadillac. And then Acura as Elio Castroneves now into third with a 1.12.3. Five. So we have less than a second covering the top three cars. And then we find both of the Mazdas very close to one another on 113.1 and 113.2, but still quite a bit off of the overall pace that we've seen so far. Yeah, Dane again, Cameron. Just, some people are more comfortable in pushing earlier than, than others. Dane Cameron, he's right on the limit now. He was breaking super late for a turn four at the end of the long downhill back straightaway, uh, and then using a, quite a bit of curve on the inside of the corner, which you certainly wouldn't normally do in the race, in the race, but in qualifying, hey, look, just hang it out. And that's exactly what Dane Cameron is doing. Now he's gone purple in each of the first two sectors, uh, and he's coming around the carousel, just uh, one corner to go. Now the left-hander flat out onto the start finish line, across the line goes uh, Dane Cameron, 111.532. So he's now within, uh, just over a tenth of a second of the fastest lap from yesterday, and we've still got over six minutes remaining in this session. Yeah, which is sort of the the blessing of all of this, the qualifying. It's only a 15-minute session, but the first five minutes or so is just people getting very gradually warmed up, unless, of course, you're Dane Cameron, and then you just throw it all out the window and say, you know what, I'm going for this, I'm going to lay down my time, I'm going to get the car warmed up, and I can do this. This is my pole position. Dane Cameron, last time around a 111.5, the car looking so squirrely under braking as Dane is clearly pushing it to the maximum threshold possible. Coming under the Acura Bridge now, going through the backside of the track, he's gone purple in sector one, he's gone purple in sector two. His car was nicely planted coming out of turn nine with a bit of a wiggle from the rear as he got a little bit too much curbing on that might cost him a fraction of a second, but he's still in it. He still has the right foot planted as he comes through the carousel, makes the left-hand turn, uses every bit of track available, crosses the line, 111-171 for Dane Cameron as he holds on to that top position. Yeah, so he's uh, he's really into the groove now, it is uh, Dane Cameron. Uh, Elio Castroneves, his teammate, slots into second position just three tenths of a second behind in the number seven car. The uh, Cadillacs still led by Pippa Durrani now splits the two Acuras at a 111.4 now for Pippo Durrani in car number 31. So it's now Acura Cadillac, Acura Mazda, Oliver Jarvis uh, finally coming into the picture in car number 77, 
11.9. Ryan Briscoe jumped up into second place, just one tenth of a second behind Cameron, but at 111.2 in the number 10, Colica Minoltica, the championship leader. You were talking about that just a few minutes ago, Shay. Can we have all the championship leaders on the pole positions? I think we stand a good shot at it, particularly for someone of Ryan Briscoe's standard. His first IndyCar win was back in 2008 at Mid-Ohio, so he has a great affection for this track, running with Chip Ganassi Racing as it was then, and he ran with Chip Ganassi Racing up until this year, part of their Ford GT program, coming second in the championship twice. Well, now he is with this Cadillac team, and he is looking for that opportunity to come back with a very strong team, but he's going to need something magical to get around those Acuras because now Elio Castroneves moved up into second place, only three hundredths of a second off what Cameron was able to do. Oh, but he's gone faster through sector one. This is a battle of the teammates. Yeah, this is cool. Elio Castroneves, he's just... Uh riding the, uh, the crest of a wave in terms of confidence right now. He's always been a confident driver. Oh, there's off the road is one of the, uh, one of the map. No, it's, it's the number 10 car, isn't it's it? The 10. Of Ryan Briscoe. Oh no, curse of the commentator strikes again. I sing the praises of Ryan Briscoe and he goes off and someone goes off right behind him. That was Gabby Aubrey in the number 85 JDC Miller Motorsport Cadillac. As I wonder if there's something down on the track or no, there's a big plume of smoke as they entered the carousel. So perhaps that was just a bit of uh, ambitious braking going on from both of those cars rather than some fluid being down as Briscoe, yep, just got on the brakes, started to lose the back end, let off the brakes to keep the car rolling and then had to slam on them again, but did not hit anything. So a bit of good fortune for the championship leaders in a situation that could have been really ugly. We are now at two and a half minutes to go in this qualifying session. Did well to keep that car off the fence to Ryan Briscoe and uh, be able to reverse and get back out on track again. So as you say, two and a half minutes remaining, Shay. So certainly time to get out there and, and uh, clean off those tires and have another run. Meanwhile, Dane Cameron has got uh, down to almost lap record pace, 110.839. So he needs just a bit over a tenth of a second if he's going to uh, take that away. 110.839 for Cameron. 110.9 for Elio Castro and Evers. Again, less than a tenth of a second between those two Acuras. It is on right now. It's two tenths faster through the first section is car number seven, Elio Castro Neves. But one tenth faster through the second section was car number six, Dane Cameron. Both of these drivers want the pole position. Both of them want to be on pole for the Acura Grand Prix in their Acura for the final time representing Mr. Penske. And who is it who's going to take home that ultimate honor? The 2019 champion, Dane Cameron, or his most loyal driver in Elio Castroneves, representing Team Penske for 20 years. Can Elio grab pole? Not that lap around. He's got one more opportunity, though, does Elio as Dane Cameron also on a flyer, but neither driver setting personal fastest sector times through the final one, or this time through the first. Is that all she wrote? It might just be. Oh, Castro Nevis did, did, did improve on that last lap. He's now within 0 0.075 a second of Cameron, but still Cameron has the upper hand. A, a slow final sector. I don't know whether he made a mistake on that last lap, Cameron. Uh, maybe trying to cool off the tires or, or, or both. <laughs> Yeah. 
We've got uh, improvements also from Jonathan Bomarito uh, further down in the Mazda. He improved his lap time, but not his position. The, both Mazdas, by the way, are currently fifth and sixth on the timing charts, down about two tenths in sector one alone. So uh, a little bit of speed still to be found from the Mazdas. But even if they don't necessarily qualify well, they're a bit like that five Mustang sampling Cadillac, which currently is in the seventh place. They can race well. So if you're a Mazda fan, don't fear just yet. Elio Castroneves does not do a personal best sector one, does not do a personal best sector two, but still improves his lap time. We are down to 16 thousandths of a second between first and second place. The checkered flag is out. Pippa Durrani is the first car to see it, and he remains in that third position. But we do have laps still coming in from the rest of the field, and a lap improving this time around, I believe, from Jonathan Balmerito in the 55 Mazda when he does cross the line. Yeah, the Mazda certainly have, have gone quicker relative to their times from yesterday, but I'm still surprised they're not quicker than they than they uh, have been so far. They're about uh, six tenths of a second off. Uh, oh, Bomarito has a, jumps across into third position. Okay, finally, that's that's more representative of what the Mazda. I thought the Mazda was going to do. The surprise though is still Oliver Jarvis, who's uh, full six tenths away from his lap record from last year. Uh, there was improvements on that last lap by Henry Castro-Davis, unbelievably, as you said, Shay, to get within 0.016 of Dave Cameron. He's turned three almost identical laps, Elio Castro-Davis. Uh, Jonathan Bomarito there, as at the checker flag, jumps up into third ahead of Pipo Durrani. Uh, there is no improvement for Dane Cameron, but only by one thousandth of a second. The 110.840, that final lap for Cameron, his best, a 110.839. <laughs> That's two pretty good laps from Dane Cameron. That will be uh, another pole position for the young American driver, two-time champion in this series, of course, now uh, 31 years of age. And JPM, by the way, is, his teammate had a birthday this week, as did Ryan Briscoe. Happy birthday to those two. But it's Dane Cameron who will get the fifth pole position of his career and his first this season. Yeah, as you said, uh, the first multi-class champion in terms of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship as well for Dane, having won GTD back in 2014, and then claimed two times a DPI championship last year, and then back again, uh, I think that was 2018, he did it with Eric Curran in the Whelan Engineering Cadillac. So Dane Cameron can breathe a little bit easier now, knowing that Elio Castroneves was not able to post a lap faster than what Dane was able to do. Unfortunately, it means it's going to be a crazy start for this race with the two Acuras lining up on row number one, Cameron ahead of Castro Neves. It was Jonathan Bomarito's last flying lap that did bring him up into the third position. So we have a Mazda on the inside of row number two alongside Pipo Durrani in the Whalen Engineering Cadillac. Row three will be Ryan Briscoe in the championship leading car fifth position starting not exactly what he'll be pleased with alongside oliver jarvis last year's pole winner in that sixth position and finally for the dpi category sebastian bourdais qualifying just ahead of his teammate gabriel aubrey in the cadillacs for jdc miller motorsports the mustang sampling one ahead of the white red and gray one yeah, and that's super tight field there, Shay. We've got the top uh, seven cars covered by a hair over half a second. So that bodes well. Gabriel Aubrey a little bit off the pace there uh, and his first run in a DPI car for the number 85 J JDC Miller Motorsports car, but a tremendous pole position lap or two pole position laps there for Dane Cameron.
So uh, that uh, con concludes our qualifying session here for this afternoon's uh, Acura Sports Car Grand Prix. And join us again a little bit later on for what promises to be a really, really exciting race. Just to recap very quickly, the pole sitters in each of the classes in GTD is Aaron Tielitz for Aimvassar Sullivan and Lexus. Uh, in GTLM, it is Jordan Taylor for Corvette. And the overall pole sitter for the first time this season, defending series champion, is Dane Cameron for Acura Team Penske. We'll, we'll speak to you again in a little while for the race later on this afternoon. Thank you for joining us. This program is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.